0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, uh, you know I always say how I can't go a day without seeing one of my guests on TV or hearing her song on the radio. Well, the other day I went to the gym, and you know how I hate the gym. I mean, I just despise the gym just because it bores me. I mean, I need to do it for the health reasons. Joanne goes five days a week. She's been doing it for twenty odd years. I just hate it. But for my heart, my doctor said I have to do it, and the personal trainers are loud and everyone i just hate it but i get on the treadmill and i put on good day la and i see my guest i'm sitting there going, oh my god this this woman's coming into the studio (laughs) on tuesday and my guest is dina carter how you doing Dina? how are you it it was so weird to see you i always crack up because when i watch tv i mean as i said i get a lot of actors and stuff and you always see them or on the radio you hear artists have been on and it was just weird to sit there and know that you were coming in like A few days later, and to see you, how did that happen? Because I love Steve Edwards, but just recently, they've been having celebrity co-hosts. How did that come about?
1: Well, it happened, I guess, at the end of last year, um, just having a new record. My new record, Southern Way of Life, was coming out. We had a new video and everything. And honestly, Kevin Hale had reached out. This is funny, actually. Kevin had reached out through Twitter and asked if I would like to be on the show. No, is Kevin, I, the producer. Yeah, no, he's the GM. Like, okay, he, he's the grand poobah okay. of the <laughs> of the place, and so, um, and what a wonderful guy! So, he had reached out, and I saw it on Twitter, and I thought, this can't be real, you know. And and I sent it to my publicist, Jules, and she followed up, and it was real, and and uh, so that was really cool, in our modern technology to be uh contacted by him, and so I came on to promote the sh- the song and the record and all that kind of stuff right at the end of last year and then um and they start they've had me like once a month as the little uh, just to come out and sit in and and have fun so
0: do you like it because i mean you're you're the singer and you're probably used to getting interviewed mm-hmm. and when it, it's a it's a different Animal. When you have to interview someone because you have to know when to talk and when not to. Right. Do you enjoy that?
1: Well, I'm learning not to. Inter- like I'm learning that you're not supposed to just have a convert. You're supposed to make it feel like conversation, but you're also supposed to. You know, it's not a real conversation. Right. You need to let the audience in on what's happening. So um, I'm learning that, but I love it because I. I have always wanted to kind of have that kind of a talk show feel, you know, and um, I do the research on the people and and on the guests that are coming on, and I want to know what kind of car they drove, and, you know, I'm the one that says, okay, because I've been on both sides of it, so I say, I know you have this great project, let's talk about that, but let's get to The good stuff. Like, what kind of car did you drive? And who was your first kiss? And where did you go to college? And, you know, I really like the personal things about the guests. And obviously, we hit the high points with um, why they're there and what they're there to promote. But, you know, like Joan, I don't know, Joan Rivers, God bless her today. She's in the hospital, not doing well. And her book... As you know, I worked at Zany's. I'm I'm all over the map right now. Right.
0: No, it's funny, though, because know, people just you know uh, Steve McGrew, who uh, <laughs> is a good friend of mine, who has a great podcast called Remasculate. Check that out. Um, he said, because I always post on Facebook who's coming on, he goes, oh, my God, I knew uh, Dina when she worked at Zany's. And that and I thought first I thought Zany's in Chicago, but no, it was a Zanies in Tennessee. Cause yes. I'm not thinking, well, why would she be in Chicago? She's and, born in Tennessee. So what are you saying about Joan Rivers? In
1: Nashville. So... Um, she was very inspirational to me coming up. I was I worked at Zanies at this comedy club, you know, to pay my bills and write songs and all that stuff after college. And I read her autobiography back then. I mean, it's been 20 years ago, and the way she stuck it out and everything—it just—it was hilarious. And her sense of humor was amazing. And I've always loved her. And so, you know, connecting the dots here, I've wanted to have sort of a talk show slash. Um, hang time and i have throughout my career with other artists and things and really getting to know them um i go, great you know you've got a record out i've done all this the press junket and all that stuff but let's sit and let people hear who you are a little bit more and get to know you better and she's really good at that in a funny way right and uh you know and so i it's fun to do that on good day la to get to know. We just had Tony Hale. I was,
0: gonna, I was just going to say that. I know you're, you're a big fan of his. Which yeah. He's amazing in Veep. I mean, I don't know if Veep, he's so funny. He's such a good actor.
1: Well, he's great, you know, and he was just in the um, the Lady Annabellum video for Bartender, and, I mean, he makes the whole video. It's really a video about him. You know, it, it feels like when he comes into a scene, it, I just love people that can very humbly, the, the craft and the talent that it takes to be able to, to own the scene or the room or the show or whatever and do it with humility it's like like a ta kind of thing you know it's a very humble kind of a thing and so it was really fun to talk to him and he was a Sigma Chi I found out in college and you know we were just I don't know when I threw that out there he he's like oh my gosh How did, it's just cool to tap into the human you know the private side of someone um a little bit to, to get to know them a little bit. So.
0: Well, I always feel that like you have to do your research because so many times you just, I mean, and, and the funny thing people understand is, and I do my research, research is just easy. Go to a website, go to Wikipedia right. and then just let it guide you through and a lot of times you sit there and you see interviews. I saw an interview the other day and I was sitting there going, wait a second and the worst is when they pronounce the name wrong yeah. or they just, they I mean, and, and the worst was, and, and I love Oprah, but when she, I don't know if you saw this a few years ago, because you know Drew Brees for the Saints. Oh, right. Well, he has a birthmark. It's a little uh, brown spot. Right. Oprah thought they missed something and she was trying to wipe it off. And he oh, had to say, yeah. no, it, it's a birthmark, which it's like, you should know that. Do your research. And yeah. plus you're Oprah. You have 8,000 people yeah. doing research. <laughs> right. So I want to talk to you now. You you're, You grew up in Tennessee. Your yeah. father was a very big... Uh, studio musician, and mm-hmm. musician, mm-hmm. legendary. Right. Okay. Now, what was that like? I mean, you must have been, I mean, you know, for us, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in a nice neighborhood, but, you know, my dad's friend who sold novelty things would come over. For you, the people that must have came to your house, you must have been, I mean, when you were little, did you have any idea that the people you were meeting, or was it just clueless because you're a little kid?
1: A lot, a big combo of both, actually, because. Um you know, like Chris Christopherson, he was trying to make it when I was a little, little bitty and uh, had made headway, obviously, a little bit, but um, he stayed with us. Some Levon Helm was my dad's dearest, oldest bandmate and friend, and, you know, he would come through and stay with us sometimes. And um, Randy Travis, I mean, I remember as I was older, I never, to be honest, I didn't really listen to country music. What did as, you listen to? Rock. Okay. I, I was a, <laughs> I mean, and I, what I call now sappy make-out rock, you know, but back then it was everything, like the monumental three-minute guitar solos, and right. I, I still pull all that stuff in my music, um, but Randy Travis, I can remember, because, see, Dad would bring these people home and work with them and we had some crazy experiences too we had a man a mountain man joe or something that lived in our basement and we all got fleas or you know i don't mean it was like no we didn't get them but he would go outside and air bathe in the nude you know in the backyard so we and my mom finally put a put the stop to that but he just my dad had a real heart for real talented people or you know wayward people that wanted to make a difference or whatever i suffer from that as well but um anyway randy travis was amazing he had come over to do some demos and seeing my dad had a little studio set up in our house and um my job was to bring in the coffee you know and all the creamer and all the I mean they raised me like a little slave child <laughs> to walk in and I was the only girl so that
0: you're was, a barista before the time. yeah so that, exactly
1: and so I had the coffee and this cream and the sugar and all the stuff and I, would, I walked in there and he sang and I just was floored because Randy's a, a small guy you know and this giant deep baritone voice came out of him and I thought oh my gosh and I just kind of hit around the corner and listened and I, I was really blown away with the what was coming out of his mouth and so that was a real turning point for me to say wait a second maybe i you know i need to pay attention to what's going on around here a little bit more um so but i got my dad into the bgs and all okay. this other, you know he we did uh definitely compliment each other musically it would and we would even when he was sick because he passed away four years ago, and in the hospital I'd lay in his hospital bed with him, and we would whistle, name that tune, and we would that was like our joke, you know it'd be like and if you could get it in one or two notes, and we would laugh, I mean it was just you know he was a music guy, and he's an icon for sure, and they're in Nashville they're having a a new uh exhibit It's coming up in March, and it's the rock and roll um, influence in Nashville with the Skyline record and Buffy St. Marie and Joan uh, Baez and all these great folk and rock artists that love Nashville and recorded there. And so they're doing this um, major exhibit at the Hall of Fame, and he's going to be a major part of that. So we're going to display his
0: kids. See, that must hers. be so awesome. I mean, just and it must make you proud as a child. You know, it's so many things that, you know, and I'm very proud of my parents. My father passed away uh, two years ago. And when we're alive, we never really tell them that we're proud of them mm-hmm. and that they mean something in our lives. You know, for me, I mean, I wouldn't have the personality I have if my mom doesn't shut up. My dad's dad very, was very quiet with a, mm. a very good sense of humor. And it's weird. We don't tell them. That must be great when so many people are acknowledging your father. It must make you like warm and fuzzy inside. I mean, it's it's a tear shedder when you're there, I'm sure.
1: It really does. And I mean, he's not in the Musician Hall of Fame yet and it's a sin. I mean, he should be because he is, he was monumental in the sound of the 60s and 70s. A lot of, uh, you know, not just country music, but um, Muddy Waters. And I mean, there's a lot. He played with Ray Charles and all these amazing artists that just, they wanted my dad there because he really brought something unique. He brought a sound to that deck to those eras you know and uh, so I'm real proud to have him be a part of it, and I hope that it will lead him to being inducted in the song in the musicians' hall of fame. Well, I hope so there, too. Yeah, he should so, be.
0: So, so you you come from a musical family? Did you start playing music early, or did you wait a little bit? Because I know you went to college and stuff like that. But yeah. did you want to? Did you? I mean, did your parents discourage you because the music life, or how did that as a kid? It's like it's like the family business. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's like yeah. if your parents own an accounting firm, well, they probably say, "Hey, you know, you should go into the accounting." Did they encourage it, or? When did you start picking up? When did you pick up a guitar and start playing?
1: Well, I was I was in high school. I played piano, honestly, first. And uh, my dad was probably the only person on the planet that was like, you're going to college? What are you thinking? You're going to ruin your life. You know? right. <laughs> it
0: was like, <laughs> you opposite. could be five
1: years ahead of everybody else. Just go <laughs> down to Music Row and do what you're supposed to do, you know. Um, he was proud of me when I graduated. I was blown away when I graduated from college. I always say, if I can do it, anybody, anybody can graduate from college. If Dina does it, anybody can do it. So, Did
0: you have fun in college? or Were you a, oh were a, were you a partier? Because, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm, I went to college, I graduated college in 86, and yeah. it was quite a different time than college, I suppose, is now. Because... Right it was just party central as long as you got to class and got your grades no one cared no one said oh you guys are drinking too much but like of course we're drinking too much it's college we're away for the first time
1: and being from nashville and you know i went to knoxville so i only was three hours east but just to be away from home and my parents were strict and all that stuff and so i uh my mom tells a story about me having a checkbook under my mattress or something because I didn't know how to balance it, and I didn't <laughs> want her to see me. And I don't know. It was in those teenage years. But, yes, college, I was definitely uh, a social butterfly and some of the best days of my life. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm glad I went, and I'm glad I got my degree, and I started writing songs um, in college. There was this one time I tell about, you know, I paid my way through school and I had I got this gig because I played piano sort of and I got hired to work at the faculty like dinner you know at the I don't know it was like this whole staff from the university it was their banquet evening and so they hired me and paid me a hundred bucks to sit and pay play piano for two hours and back then a hundred bucks is 50 bucks an hour I'm thinking awesome you know that's my books are part of my spring break or whatever <laughs> And that's, uh, that's great. It's my
0: books. We're spring break. I, I don't know if I want to use my education or I want to party. <laughs> but that's how I thought too. It's like I remember when I went on spring break, they said from New Jersey to Fort Lauderdale, all Jersey State schools, ninety nine dollar round trip. Mm-hmm. So these poor idiots do this deal and we go to the airport and basically that's when you could take booze on the airplane. So we all had our bags loaded of booze, we're filled up the airport. This guy there's Trenton State, there's Glassboro State, I went to Stockton State. There's like Tons of kids, and the flight's delayed for eight hours. So now the airport has oh no. has five hundred <laughs> drunk college kids oh no. just going crazy. But that was our thought. It was like, okay, well, you know what? Books. You know, we don't need the books. We'd rather go party.
1: We can get used books, <laughs> cheaper, right? I know. But um, anyway, so I sat at this party, and I went and set up my music. Like I knew what I was doing, and all I did was read the sort of guitar chording over the piano notes, and faked the whole thing i just played these chords and was doing this sort of i was listening to george winston you know like uh, all this stuff and so i'm trying to act like i'm playing this music and uh Im- improvising is what you would say now and which uh people would look at me like is that what's on that paper i don't think so but i got through it and just my whole life, I've I've had to learn how to wing it, and honestly, get better at being prepared. All those kind of situations made me learn. Look, I I roll way better when I when I'm rehearsed and I know what I'm doing and I'm on it. So, um, but music's always been sort of like, how can I do this with music involved? You know definitely
0: so you were sitting there you, you go from college you get out you get a job do you get a job when you're out of college what's your first job or do you go st- you're now you're writing music now right but now do you get a job first or what do you what is your what is your course of action because the funny thing is when you were 22 and we graduate college we don't know what our course of action is right. I mean let's be honest unless you're gonna go to law school or med school we're like you know well we want to do this but we have our degrees so why else' well do this what right. was your course of action where you ended up getting your demo to Willie Nelson how did that all
1: well, it's funny cuz I was doing an internship at a hospital in Nashville. I was at the stroke and um head injury patient therapist. And so I was doing an internship and I would bring in music and play records, you know, for my stroke patients and stuff and they would that they would connect. And so um just some political things went down with the with the hospital and also I just was broken hearted cuz some patients passed away and I'm thinking what am I doing? I'm about to fork in the road. You know, am I going to go do this or am I going to do the music thing? So I quit the hospital and I went and just started waiting tables at Zaney's. Literally got a temp service job and some other jobs to make up and pay back college loans now. And, um, started writing about all this, these choices and experiences and getting out in, in songwriter nights in Nashville. So, um, Douglas corner and the Bluebird, all that stuff that now is you know, um, on TV in the show Nashville, I was doing that. I mean, we were living it, and so my I ended up getting signed with Polygram, dropped from there, and then got signed with um, Jimmy Bowen because a friend of mine heard my demo tape, and and after they had kind of got me going, Willie was on Liberty under Capitol's umbrella at the time, and uh, he was like, "What? That is her? That little girl? I used to, you know, Fred's kid." And uh, so he put me on Farm Aid in 94. Just yep. to, I didn't even have a record completely finished. I mean, he just asked me to come out and sing. And uh, Chris Doverson ironically, took up my sound check time. And when we were on Willie's bus, I was nervous. He said, how are you, got, are you excited about tomorrow? I said, well, I would be, but I didn't get a sound check. And Chris <laughs> was like, what? I said, it'll be fine. <laughs> we're just at the arena you know we're at the superdome it'll be fine you know the way i was saying i would just learn how to roll with it and uh christopherson the next day he walked me out on stage and cleared everybody out and you know made sure i got to check sound and it was just me and my guitar and chuck jones a co-writer that i'd had and we walked out and the place it was kind of Quiet. It was packed.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, what was your biggest crowd before then? I mean, had you you weren't performing oh, a lot?
1: Probably that teacher. So yeah, so <laughs> so you were you were
0: really you were really new when you did this. I oh, mean, yeah. you must, I mean, and I'll be honest, cause I did stand up comedy for a long time, and you know, I would, would have butterflies when I started, yeah. and now I was going in front of like twenty people. I mean, you must have been. I mean, were you, I know you, we can say, you know, we roll with it, but were you terrified? I mean, there's, there it's a, I mean, they're not going to boo you, you know that because it's music and no one boos music and they all get heckled. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you have people get heckled all the time, but what, what was going through your mind that right before you stepped on stage, were you intimidated or were you just so high off the feeling of the crowd?
1: It was a, you know, farm aid too. There's so much going on. It was a real literal rush to get us out there. And then once we were set, I was shaky, but I thought, I just looked around and I I don't know, and I this sounds so silly, but drawing from those comedians on stage, I always try to draw from something that someone else may have or have not that I don't. And I thought, well, gosh, I've been working at Zaney's and these guys don't even have a guitar to work with or anything. They just go out there and really have to. You know, pull their pants down and have people approve or disapprove. I mean, really, I respect it it so much.
0: It it was one of those things where even if you had a bad set, even though you could have nine good sets in a row, you could have a bad set. Of course. And you would always still... You you had to get to the point in your career where you said, okay, it's just that night. But in the beginning, you're devastated because you're sitting there going... I mean, we got to remember, no one does... Everything, a hundred percent. I mean, you're not. You can't be a hundred. Every comedy show can't go good. Every concert, I'm sure you may feel a little bit off sometimes. Oh, of it's not going to. But it, with the comedy, it's just so. It, it was. It's a feeling where you just you feel like worthless, especially like when the when the owner gives you the check and you be like, you know, you feel like and you get yeah. they give you that look like and you've probably seen a oh yeah. bomb even great actually probably saw a bomb when you worked there and it's always the same thing it, it gets into your head and that's when you have to learn it can't because then you sit there and go. I have to rebound, else then I'm going to fall into a bad pattern.
1: Right, and I really did. I I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I thought, wow, at least I have a guitar. You know, at least I've got some songs I've written. (laughs) At least Willie invited me. So, I mean, this is all processing in my brain in that 15 seconds that's going down. And we just uh, sang. I think we started with Did I Shave My Legs for This? I think that was the first thing we sang, and everybody went wild. Um, and at that moment I was, it was like that one and then count me in and one other song. And those were all songs that were in the, you know, top of the charts for me eventually. And so it was just, then I was bit. I mean, after that, it was just like, what just happened? That was incredible. And in college, I did some little musical theater things that, you know on stage I just naturally the director would say gosh you understand blocking that you know just there were some things that I was comfortable I've always been really comfortable on a stage but being at Zaney's and working with comedians taught me how to you know that pregnant pause like how to love it right and how to encourage an audience to embrace it and find it funny and you know not try so hard and I mean, it affects my songwriting when I'm co-writing with people, and they're just like ba 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 ba, not letting the moment breathe. You know, I learned that in in comedic training. You know, watching you guys do what you do. So, I don't I don't speak lightly about that. Lenny Sisselman was the manager there. Okay. And I just tweeted something on Twitter, and he he like favorited my tweet. You know. It, <laughs> It was just so great. I got to be on Jay Leno because I worked at Zany's.
0: What did you do on Jay Leno? Were you just was it a skit or what happened?
1: No, I just I mean when my first record came out. Oh,
0: okay, okay. I thought I thought you were on Jay Leno when you were at Zany's. No, I, I thought no, they came in and said, no. Hey, we're doing a sketch here. Oh no, okay, so Jay Leno remembered you.
1: No, they just because I had that on my resume, like that was in my bio. Okay. And it was at a time when nobody was having country females, especially on, you know, breaking new records and things like that on the air, on talk radio, on talk shows. And he was the first one that was like, yeah, bring her on. She She's a Zanies grad. Bring her on. That's funny. Isn't that
0: funny? But uh, the comics remember, that's the thing. We always remember the people you worked with because it, it's that thing, you know, and it's in, when when Robin Williams passed, I went to the one memorial at the comedy store and and I don't know if musicians do the same, but comics we use the term, people who aren't comics are civilians. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very and it's like a, it's like a camaraderie and I think you remember like Lena's probably like, wow she worked at a comedy club. She must, she yep. must be cool because you know, because it's hard to work. I mean, as a waitress at a comedy club, oh. all the acts are hitting on you. I mean, that's even, I, I mean, I used to love <laughs> where the married guys would take their wedding ring off and they'd be sitting by the pool and I'd be like, guys, guys, you have a Band showing, and it's just because a lot of comics yeah. were pigs, and yeah. you guys, add, and plus, the, and plus the, the the clientele you deal with, a lot of people are can be jerks. They get drunk, they start heckling. They, I mean, right. it's just the way it is.
1: Well, it's the nature of the beast to be in that. You know, it really is like a boxing. Right. Uh, it really is. I don't go to boxing matches, but you've got the ring, and then you've got people there. You know, wanting to see it go down, and right. if they don't, they're really angry about that, and so. I mean, I just, I can't tell you how, how valuable that was for me that I've gone on and on about Zanies, but I mean, it really, I still dig deep and I think it really was fundamental. I think God put me there as a big, big, big learning, you know, tool for me.
0: So you do the farm aid mm-hmm. and now your album comes out
1: mm-hmm. and it was an album. I, I,
0: I love albums. I'm sorry. I hate, I use the word album and people are like And I, I still, I still have a cassette player and I have a whole box of cassettes. I love cassettes. I have a ton of CDs, but I love the cassettes. It's oh, just, yeah. I don't know what it is. I just love that stuff. But your album comes out and now it probably did it. Was it out before farm eight or were you tape recording it when it was before farm eight?
1: We had recorded. Bowen had me doing guitar vocals for years. Literally. We called them, you know, just guitar, vocal, guitar, piano, vocal at the most. So we were in that, it was 94. Um, and I had been, the the original record I'd done with Bowen was basically done. I had uh, started going over to Europe because I wanted to go cut my teeth over there. And um, Charles Koppelman was head of capital at the time. And he was like, absolutely, if you want to go do that first. Because Bowen made me ask him. You know, um, Bowen made me earn my stripes. He really did, and that was back when label heads built artists' albums and careers. Like an, an album was an event, you know. So yeah, we were. I was starting to tour and uh, go out and do things, but it was still very early. I mean, when I see those pictures, I look terrified. I saw some every now and then. Somebody go pull one up. It's torture, yeah. you know, to see. It's like seeing bad hair from high school or whatever. But um, there's one or two pictures floating around from that farm aid, and I did look a little terrified, I have to say. But I had the big hair. and Well, yeah, you know, it's the,
0: the 80s, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was it like when you started touring? Because even back then, there wasn't a lot of female country stores performing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you were probably... You were one of not there wasn't like now ever it's like everything. It's like right. comics, everything. Anywhere you go, there's thousands of them. But you were pretty ground not I mean, you were in the beginning of it. What was it like? that people accept you or was the was were the country fans like the boys' club like, uh, you know, you know, Cigar's work. I mean, what was what was that like for you? Was it were you did you get frustrated or did they did they really latch on to you or how did it happen? What happened?
1: Well, I think honestly the songs and that's a big part of Nashville, the songs had to be great. And that was important, monumental for people to connect to the songs. And uh, that's always the backbone of everything for me. And uh, that was a big deal. And then you pair that with, I was, you know, I brought out electric guitar. Like, I see now the influence that it had, because at the time, women were still in the ball gowns. And, you know, this is still in the 90s. I mean, it's not that long ago, but it was it was a pretty big deal shania had come out and was doing the belly you know like the sex appeal thing which was which was helpful and what it she was she's very cool i've met her a few times and she's great but it helped me come out and be like the earth earthy kind of rocker girl you right. know and i brought electric guitars and had those solos and now when i see oriental rugs on the stage and the rock influence in country I mean, we did bring that to the table, and, and that was a very tough row to hoe, as my grandma would say, because, um, you know, we never played to track on award shows. I've never to this day played to track, and back then, you'd walk out on all award shows. You'd walk out, what was the Grammys or whatever, with a microphone, or the band would airplay, you know, and I just wouldn't do that. I'm like we play and we're gonna play and so it set a precedent even production-wise with the award shows for the music to be live
0: and that's what it should be though i mean because you're sitting there if, if someone's nominated it's like you know you go to a con if you go see it you should be playing live we, i don't want to hear yeah. that stuff i mean because we you want to hear live music it's an award show right but that's good you did that i have a quick question i gotta just go off I'm off cuff for a second i was at a concert on friday night and i've been to a few concerts lately and i want to know if this bothers you because it would bother me if I if I heard it as on stage. There's this people whistle all the time. Now they whistle after. That's understandable. But someone will start playing like a slow ballad and they whistle. And I don't know if you hear it, but is, if you hear it, does that annoy you? Because it's like you're messing up my song. I mean, does that ever happen? It,
1: I mean, I I love it, but then I've worked in a comedy club. Right. I'm like... <laughs> but, when, but when you're
0: performing, do you want them whistling during your song? I mean, I can see clapping or singing along, but the whistling, I just think it'd be, like, annoying because everyone else is pissed They're like, stop whistling, you know?
1: Oh, well, it, I guess if it's a happy whistle or if it's a mean whistle, you know, it depends. <laughs> it's If somebody's whistling, no. I, I always take anything like that glass half full, okay. you know, for me, personally, because... Even if it's not, even just like in life, if someone means something with ill intent, if you take it right, ad- the way you want it to be, the outcome to be, um, to the best of your ability, then that's how I go with that.
0: Okay, I just want because I, I was at the, I've been at a few concerts lately. And I was like, God, these people just constantly. I don't remember like when I was younger. I went to concerts. I don't remember all this whistling. Yeah, it's and it hurts. It hurts your ears. Yeah. like the sky next to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know how they learned to whistle that loud. It's just <laughs> amazing.
1: Well, I'll stop a song and just say if people are talking or whatever. I'll be like, Oh, let's talk about this for a minute, or you know, I'm. I'm. Oh, a, you've done.
0: Have you done that before? Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. know how, how
0: does it shut the crowd up?
1: Oh, people just and I don't do it like a jerk. You know, I've seen, I've been in the crowd and a, a you know a patron going to shows and if the artist is not happy it's a bad thing right if i'm sure you've been to shows or whatever if the artist is really not having a good time or upset about something uh that's a drag so oh, yeah it, it's, it's just right a, you just go oh no this is don't close the curtain put the put the guy back there right. let me see the wizard <laughs> like the smoke and stuff right so no i always make it a good thing, if if someone's heckling or or saying things, you know, whatever I'll say. Thanks, Dad or Uncle Joe. Glad you could make okay. it. You know, all these funny little responses. And that's from the
0: comedy because the heckler, there's, there's the stock lines that you know that right. work. And people, the audience doesn't know that you didn't just make that up. They right. think you're the quickest person in the right. country. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. Not only does she have a beautiful voice and plays guitar, but she's funny.
1: Right. So you make light of it and you bring the crowd in like that. And I feel like if you, you know, if you wall up, that's, that's a bad time for everybody
0: okay I want to ask you now so so the, your album comes out and it's huge now what is that like I mean you 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 um, you were in college and you were you know it's your first album and mm-hmm. it's not like you know so many people put albums out and you see you know especially when you collected albums like when someone would have a big third album. You'd always go and buy the first and second one. Yeah. And be like a, I mean, what was it like? Because it, it debuted at number two, I believe. Now, I'm guessing you probably had a lot of juice from the farm, because eh? they probably thought, who is this girl? And then you went up and had a good set, and they probably said, wow, this is you were different. There wasn't a lot of you said you were like the rock and roll girl, so they needed they something different. What was that like? I mean, when you when your album came out, like before it comes out, are you nervous? Because you sit there and go, God, I wanted it to be good. Or you must be also thinking... You're really, I mean, as songwriters, you guys bear your souls. Yeah. And you write stuff. And then is it—is that thing where you're going, wow, if they don't like it, am I going to take it personally? I mean, what was the feeling? Because you were still, you were, you were young, you were a kid. You were a kid in, a, in an industry. Yeah. What was that like when it came out? Was the night before it hit the charge, were you were you freaking out or what?
1: Well, it was two years between um, Farm Aid and the album release in America. We had had an album come out in Europe and nothing really happened with that so we re-recorded half of that album and have the the American Did I Shave My Lick For This record. So we had been doing radio. I mean, th- I was waiting for this record to come out for like four years. So we have been doing radio for weeks and weeks and weeks. And when you go back, you do radio, you know. I think Strawberry Wine was, it took 16 weeks to chart or something crazy. Like now, you know, it doesn't work like that. And it really was... We were out actually promoting... Um, I've loved enough to know, we had a video in the can. We had cassettes, singles all over the planet, you know.
0: I love cassettes. I, I, oh, I man, love cassettes.
1: I still have boxes of that stuff, because I'm thinking, what do I... I can't... Right. You know, nobody <laughs> wants it now. But, um, you should
0: sell an eBay cassette, because albums are coming back. Cassettes, you should put it up on eBay. You should say... And you should autograph them. And you could yeah. make a ton of money, because people love... Old, people, you know, us older music fans... It's just something. I mean, we remember having the cassettes yeah. on our or our shelves, and you wrote real nice and real nice letters, and you wrote the songs. Yeah, you could. It, you would make a fortune.
1: It was great. So we had had a very long time of planning and all this kind of stuff, and we were out on the road doing radio, and uh, they wanted to switch the single to Strawberry Wine, and I was all for it. I just said we were two weeks from album release. And I said, you cannot change my album date. Again, this has been five years and, you know, all this stuff. And so Scott um, Hendricks at Capitol at the time, he did that turnaround in two weeks. He he canned the video. He canned, you know, all the stuff, we, the direction we were headed, scrapped all of it and then went with Strawberry Wine. And I think that's why we had legs with it, because people were actually calling in for Strawberry Wine. And it was the song... It was uh, the video. It was all the, the late night TV and everything we'd been doing that really helped us have that impact. And at the time, people weren't doing that. And, song, and artists weren't songwriters at the time either. That was an odd uh, thing, too. That not all the artists were writing their songs like they do now.
0: So you, this, you're a big hit. Now, how does your life change? I mean, because you sit there and say, like now everyone's going to know you everyone's before i mean it must be it must be odd because it's i know it wasn't overnight but all of a sudden boom i mean how does how does someone adjust to that i mean it it must be crazy
1: it was you know it's crazy because when you're in kindergarten right you show up and you sit on the rug and and they they're like oh little steve cooper you know you're who you are right? right i'm little dina Carter, just who i've always been and so the fact that I think that still freaks me out. The fact that my name means something different to other people than it meant to, like, the fact that my name shifted meaning. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, because it it just, you're always, you're the same person. Yes. You're Dina Carter, but now you're Dina Carter. (laughs) It it just just freaks
1: me out. And so, it was very trippy. I think what really was crazy was doing Vegas and seeing my name like a headlining across in those casino you know scrolling across that was one thing that was crazy now people would spell it wrong and that would make me crazy cuz i'm like if you're going to do it in 20 feet letter like 20 foot letters please spell it right they did they do d
0: e did they do d e e n a or how did they spell they it they
1: spelled it with two n's it's but then that's Deanna.
0: right but it's dina
1: you right it's d e a n like dean martin who I was supposedly named after, with an A on the end.
0: See that's no, but you probably it was hard for you to find those little custom license plates. I bet.
1: Oh, never, no name tag, you know. No, because yeah. my girlfriend's
0: Joanne, but she spells it J, and she was born this way. It's not like you know.
1: Yeah, that's being crazy. Right, yeah. It's
0: J little O A N N. She can never because everyone says and they always spell it wrong. Like she, she yeah. finally got on Facebook and she's like. I just put my they spell my name wrong. I have to wait sixty days. I don't like that. So you because know, <laughs> well, it's, it's so you guys, get, you're very possessive of your name because yeah. it's like that's my name. And for them to, sc- once again, they should do their research. They should not screw up your name in big lights.
1: Well, here's the okay. So a kindergarten first day because I'm like a roots person, sitting on the rug. There was a girl in our class, and that we go around to say our names. And I, I went to small school in Nashville. I graduated with the people I sat with pretty much on kindergarten shag carpet. 12th grade, we're sitting there boohooing our eyes, you know, crying our right. eyes out. because What are we going to do? Um, but they went around the, the rug and it was like Dean Birdwell, Dina Carter, Tim Carver. You know, we were all together. And Diane goes, Dina, because her name was Diane. And she goes, Dina, what kind of name is Dina? Dina Wiener. And she made fun of it. And so and we were, you know, and so I've been wiener. Since I was five years old. (laughs) People have called me Dina Wiener. So I'm sensitive about my name. I want it to be right. So when it shifted meanings, it really was it was just blew my mind. But my feeling about it is I haven't changed a whole lot. I've just seasoned a lot and learned a lot, you know. I think I'm pretty close to the same core person that I was growing up and, and all that. With some transitions, obviously.
0: Right. Now, now, during all your popularity, you're living in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like back when you, boom. And then you sat there and you're recording more albums. And now I know you write with other people. When mm-hmm. did you start writing with other people? Because that's always, I always think as a performer, it must be hard that you're writing a song for someone else. And inside, I mean, and it's, it's just human nature that you're probably going, okay, they better nail it. Because I can do it better, and and that sounds like it's arrogant, but it's not. And it's not it's me. It's not an arrogant view. It's something that when you write, it comes from your heart. And you know, I mean, how did how did you start writing for other people? And was it something that in the beginning it was easy, or in the beginning it was tough? Because it's like your little baby you're giving away.
1: Well, Nashville's real big on collaborating, you know, and so. I've grown to really love it, and the only thing is it can be crippling, because you also, I feel like as an artist, you need to be able to sit and write songs by yourself, too, so it's a balancing act act of discipline, for sure, but I, for me, I just sit and write the songs. I honestly don't really know, I would, I'm very excited to think of the opportunity for someone else to sing them, but, and of course, you know, when I wrote with, Kimberly Perry of the band Perry a couple of Times there's that feeling Like they're recording and we're going to write for This and that kind of thing but if You put too much pressure I think it Takes away from the authenticity of What we're there to do and, and uh, I know that as an artist she would love to Get cuts on someone else's record too so The best rule of thumb for me is to just, just Sit and write a great song And really take like Get all the rest of that off the table And not look at the end result just make the song
0: great well it's i've always wondered about the process is it are you are just writing songs and someone says we want that song or does someone say come up to you and say hey dina we want you to write this song and is, i mean how does that work does, do you ever do you write them and then send them out there or do people come and say hey come write for us and it must you must take it as a huge compliment that if someone wants you to write their song it must be a great feeling
1: oh yeah i think it's more of a Hey, we, we're looking for this kind of a thing. If you're in that mode, give it a shot, you know, um, which is fun. I have started writing for um, the TV, you know, Nashville, that show. I got a song coming on the season premiere that I co-wrote with Chip Esten, who's the Deacon character on the show. And we got together just to write together because we had met and we had talked and um, we wanted to write, and it ended up being a song for the show, which wasn't even on purpose. Um, And I just finished another one with another writer here in L.A. So now we are starting to get scenes and storyline and stuff like that. And it's just getting your foot in the door, which was by accident. You know, my Kenny Chesney cut with Matresa Berg. She had demoed that in a male version. She and I wrote it for my record 10 years ago. And she demoed it. And Kenny had heard me sing it on the road on tour 10 years ago. And when he heard the male demo, he was like, oh, my gosh. I could do this, you know. So any f- success I've ever had outside of my own records has always been kind of out of my hands, you know, which is, I, pref- I think it's great
0: that That's way. That's good. It's, yeah, it's just, as you said, you wing it, and this is what happens. Yeah. Now, would you ever want to be on Nashville to show? Would you sit there? And- I-
1: Gosh, or, do, you, I,
0: do you want to act at all? Would it ever come into you? Because, I mean, they're playing your songs. You got to be like, I mean, would that be something that would excite you?
1: I have I auditioned for Raina. I just auditioned for Pam, who is Deacon's Muse, the new character coming in. Um, this show has been on my radar for like five years. <laughs> they keep trying to figure out a spot for me. Um, so now we've got, you know, songs, works, and I would love, I obviously would love to have some kind of a recurring role on the show. It would be fun. That's, comed- like, I'd like to honestly play myself in a little bit of a, not, not
0: um, Not a comedy role, but sort of like a, sort of like over the top, probably, right? Like, like just
1: like... Like everybody's going, where did she go? What happened to her? Kind of make light of that. Like, actually use that for storyline. I think that would be fun to do it in a fun way. Right yeah
0: my friend works for that show her name's ruth bennett she's assistance to who's the music guy wg smith no who's a
1: buddy miller
0: i don't know she's in she goes to nashville to work yeah and she's assistant for someone and she loves it she goes it's so great she loves nashville she's she's a michigan girl who lives out here and she's down there so okay so in 2001 you moved to la yeah now why'd you choose la i mean were you just i mean because it's if, if you have a career already I mean, my feeling is just visit LA. I mean, if, if you know, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. Like me, I have to be here because I can, I can't, you know, get the guests I get in Iowa. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But for you, it's like, did you just get tired of Nashville, or did you just say, L- "I want a new start"? Or, I mean, how did you transition to LA? And it must have been a weird transition because I'm sure it's t- two different lives.
1: Well, it was kind of the time honestly it was authentic because i was doing film and tv music you know i had done anastasia and um, i had done hope floats and i had done uh, king of the hill i was a little truck stop waitress on that show what was that
0: like did you like doing that
1: it was cool you know um and i'd love to do more of that voiceover stuff so those kind of things were coming around i did um raising dad which was a sitcom and I loved doing live studio audience stuff because it was just like an extension of my music career. You right. know, having everybody there and it was—I was so at home feeling on that set. Um, and I did Strong Medicine, which was a drama that was filmed. And uh, so these things were just uh, little, you know, come on off of my career of things that were happening. And I was in LA all the time, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And my husband at the time and I had just finished this like mega house with the pool and 30 acres and mead and all this stuff and uh, and so it was bad timing because we had this palatial place that I was never in and uh, we ended up divorcing and selling the house and I was like well I'm just going to stay in LA and see what happens you know because I'm here all the time it wasn't like I was running from anything Um, so I put all my stuff in storage in Nashville and just stayed out here
0: Where'd you live? I always ask guests, where was the first place you lived? Everyone, it's like, but see, you had a, a moniker of success, so it's probably different for you, but like a lot of times people just come out and they go, well, oh, I lived in uh, this area where the 7-Eleven across the street, know. Where we hear gunshots. And like, <laughs> right. where, where did you, where was the first place well, you lived?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, the first place I lived was Sunset Marquis. Okay. <laughs> I, st- I mean, for like six months, they took, you know, we've been doing this really cool Southern Roots Movement thing at their Live at Sunset Marquis summer series. Um, we're doing another one on Friday night with Matresa Berg and Jeff Hanna okay um they're gonna join me at nine o'clock there but anyway so sunset marquee was my first kind of because i always stayed there when i've come and they just hooked me up and let me stay and then i rented a house down near the grove before while they were building the grove isn't that crazy uh, yeah and so then i was like oh i can't take this so i finally got my little house up in laurel canyon which was heaven and then i moved uh I lived, like, around Fairfax, Melrose a couple times, and then Laurel Canyon, and now I'm over in Studio City.
0: A lot of people, the Studio City's good, because there's, there's always traffic. Like, you know, on on that side, because I live in Burbank, on that yeah. side, there's always traffic. Like, me and my ex-wife lived in Westwood.
1: Yeah. There's oh, always good. traffic. Oh. You sit
0: there and go, wait a second. It's 2 in the afternoon. You know, there yeah. shouldn't be, Wilshire's just backed up. My girlfriend moved out here. She's like, first time she visited... She's like, what the hell? She goes, we're at the 405. We're coming from Malibu for lunch. And she's like, is there a side road? I go, no. She's like, but we're on a ramp. <laughs> I go, yes, this is what happens in LA. <laughs> because
1: everybody's going, there's going to be traffic. Let's get out early. <laughs> so it's everybody's, you know, but Studio City's cool. I moved over there for my son to go to school um, at this really cool little school. And he's about done with that. So we're in a little bit of a transition again. I'm not sure what's going to happen this next year to see. I'd either, I want to get back in the hills, um, just creatively, you know, or maybe some time back in Nashville. I, I don't know.
0: Now you've written a, a book, one or two books, What I know you've written.
1: Oh no, I just blogged. No, I, thought, I thought
0: I read you somewhere where you read, you wrote a book. Not yet. Oh, well, what do you blog about?
1: My blogs, I went through, I started it with this record, the new record going through all the songs and I just blogged on the songs and go a little deeper spiritually and, um, sort of historically like what these songs are it's just what the songs are about and then i'll go through and do a bible verse or you know some kind of relevant taking it to the next level a little bit deeper of what the song means and in my personal experience so i bring in personal things into the blog so i did 10 of those on this new record and got such a good response that i figured i'd go back to the first record and blog on all those songs okay and that one's taken me longer because I'm going through another divorce, um, and it's it's very difficult to go back through. Honestly, I'm taking my time because I'm, I'm analyzing things, and I want to be authentic, but I also want to speak into people's lives and say, you know, just because you go through this doesn't mean that happiness is not there for you or that you're not meant to, succeed or you know whatever and I have to get to that place in my own heart before right. I can sit and really truthfully say those things
0: Adam it must be hard for you to go back at these old songs because oh. they're 20 years ago oh, and man. you're not the same person you are that when you wrote that <clears throat> and people may not I mean people change and especially in a creative outlet what you're writing about back then you're not writing about back now so for you to go back and sit there you probably have, it's probably like a time travel back because you have to think you know well, what did this lyric mean I'm sure what you, when you wrote it it probably when you look at it now you probably have a different interpretation
1: right absolutely but within that it's like gosh am i learning this lesson again right right am I, mean, I going through this again really have i not gotten this one yet and so you know god is just so gracious and that's really what the blogs are about it's talking about you know love and grace and having that for yourself and uh it gets very personal there's some things I've shared in there that you know that I don't know that most artists would talk about or whatever but I feel like that I only have so much time on earth and that I want to make a difference for people
0: what's the blog address how do people find it
1: Dina.com.
0: That's, that's, that's one. Okay. Because yeah. you just have people, because they're so weird with like blogs. Like one You do like blog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One N. No, no, it's not D-E-E. It's Dean A. Just think of right. a guy named Dean Anastasia. Right. And we have it right there. So now the new, the new, the new, I call it album. Uh, first of all, when I word Father Christmas. Yeah. Uh, are you a big Christmas fan? Is that why, is, is that why? Because I love Christmas.
1: I am. I love, you know, I love fall. Let me just back it up and start there. You know, we're in September, um. I love it because football season and in the south in nashville fall was the best season to me because it wasn't humid and the leaves turn it looked like the east coast right. right it looked beautiful so it starts for me in the in the fall season and then coming into christmas it's just a lot of gratitude and um people dig a little deeper it seems like and open up a little bit more and uh so yeah i love christmas
0: cool we're running out we have about 10 minutes left let's talk about the, the the new album more in depth yes if you want to would you like to do that yeah, I'd love okay to. well let's talk about that tell me about the album tell me you know was it was it great to re- do i mean do you always love when you start the whole process of recording an album or are you a little, as i said are you a little scared i mean because it's as i said it's like i guess with the blog because you're burying your soul that way but is it is it hard do you get writer's block or how does it come about when you sit there and say i want to do this album
1: well, honestly, for me, I was looking at all the songs I'd been co-writing and writing on my own, and I thought, "What? these songs are never going to get heard if we don't demo them, at least. And so we went in and started demoing, and it, I don't even know if it was intentionally to have a finished album, but it was with that goal always down the, you know, you always have that in your vision. For me personally, and I produce my records, and so when we go in, I'm going to do a demo that's like a record, so I might as well be making a record. Right. It's like working on my house now that I'm trying to get ready to sell in Hollywood, um, a rental house. It's demo day. It's demolition day, right? So you plan everybody to show up. Everybody knows what the goal is for the day, and that's kind of how starting a record is for me. You know, you go in there and let's we're going to demo. We're going to uh, get to the process. So basically we just went in and started songs we just started with one song and I'd done my pre-production and all that stuff and um, and we got through about 14 15 songs in a short period of
0: time we did it over in uh, at Hollywood sound now how do you choose which songs you're gonna keep uh, do you have a say or is it a record company or how does that work like do you sit there and say because most I, I guess I don't buy really albums cities anymore but it's usually 10 or 11 songs I'm right. guessing right yeah so is it is it Do you ever have to, do they, is it your say, what, 10 or 11 go on, or or can you just say I'm putting all of them on, or how does that work?
1: Well, if you're with a major, yeah, you do a collaboration with the A&R people, and they're looking, you know, and you're co-writing, and I've always fought to co-write my stuff, and um, especially my latest albums, and so it's a collaboration, but this is on my label, Little Nugget Records, so I just picked, in my opinion, the songs that were the best out of 50, 60 songs. Um, we picked about 15 so we have extra you know we have a few bonus tracks for exclusives and things like that that are important so um, I think we recorded 13 out of a lot so I just picked I picked the ones that I felt like you know doing this long enough you feel like wow well this is commercial this sounds an album track and then there's one track on the record and the publisher Warner Chapel that I had been collaborating a lot with they were very vocal and which ones they loved and that kind of thing so and we put it up I'll say once we recorded the record picking singles now here's another whole level of it right so I picked four songs that had we put four songs up that collectively with a group of social media and and PR and all you know people had liked so we put them up on Facebook and then let the fans and friends choose what the single was going to be out of those four so they came up with surprisingly I was surprised it was do or die because it was a ballad and okay. it's a serious song. Now, What's the title of the album? Uh, did or did I shave my legs for this? That was the
0: first album,
1: um, "Southern Way of Life."
0: Now, now, do 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 people still do videos? Do people shoot videos? Is, I yeah. mean, because you don't see them anymore. I, mean, I know. I, I saw them everywhere. Like, you know, sit there, me and my girlfriend talking about this, like you know, like the MTV Awards. They don't have any video. It's like that used to be all videos. Do you now? How do you pick the song you want to shoot in a video?
1: Well, we they pick the video. I mean, they pick the song "Do or Die." And then, this has all been a learning process for me. Uh, my parents had a record label. Nugget was theirs, and so now I called it Little Nugget. Okay. I just re- look, redid the logo. But So, video. I'm like, well, Do or Die is a single, so we have to do a video for it. So we just went to the park and took a camera and shot our kids playing, and it was pretty, uh, they sh- held up words, you know, with the homage to Bob Dylan, kind of his way that he did his video, and and we just did the video and put it out and usa today dot com they debuted it and c m t dot com and so people pick it up after that it's a very different day that we
0: live in yeah I mean videos were so i mean just so important like you know like we like we saw Duran Duran we wanted to dress like them you know it was like people videos really affected our lives i mean right. it was it was a normal thing now it's like you don't. I mean, you don't. You never see them. I well, mean, the
1: video I, channels are all uh, reality based right. now. There's no video programming on on video channels. So you've got YouTube and the internet and and all the social media. You know, dot coms. Who you, you get posted and blasted that way. But it's it's still a gap. You know, it's just like being play, top forty. Is there's a gap there? It, right. It's like a huge following online or you've got Top 40.
0: Now, are you touring now? Do you go on the road a lot, and do you enjoy it still?
1: I I am doing, honestly, I've been doing a lot of in-the-round, like songwriter, kind of storyteller things, which has been fun. Um, I'm ready to, I've been doing that for two years, and I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to do some shows, like have those, you know, jams. I miss that, because that's a big part of, my foundation in my career who i am period and in my career we always had a jam it was a fun time for everybody so i'm ready to bring that back
0: so do you have to put a whole band together when you did or do you already know the guys you're going to do on the road I, or
1: i know the guys for sure they would um the ones that played on the record and also pulling in some guys that we had before and you know who can play long Almond Brothers ish guitar solos and stuff like that. <laughs>
0: That's cool. We have, I said, we have uh, three minutes left. Yeah. Oh, see, it goes fast. That's good. Uh, any now, how does do, are you constantly writing songs? Even though this is out, will you start writing again, or do you wait till you are going to tour with this? Or how does that, how does the writing process work for you?
1: It's funny. I have been writing um, some. Um, I have quite a few songs, but I go to Nashville frequently to co-write, so I do have songs. But when I'm hitting the road. Honestly before this next spring I want to get a batch of songs recorded again So we can go with another single Off Southern Way of Life And then be looking at doing the new record For the middle to end of next year So yes I have songs It's just once touring starts That's pretty much what you
0: do and now, will you blog when you're on tour? Because that would be a great idea, blogging. Yeah. I mean, because once, once you cover all your songs, then you have to you right. run out of stuff. you know. So, I mean, would yeah. you blog on the tour life? Did Did you like the road when you were on the road a lot?
1: I loved it, and I did live on the road. I mean, we were gone for years, and, and it was hard on a marriage, you know. Um, being single again, unfortunately, I think it's good timing to go on the road and get back with the fans and friends and it, it's fun to see people that I went to college with or right. that I haven't seen in a long time. They come out to the shows and um, just to get back out there and love on people. And, you know,
0: it's important. Now, has your son, has he picked up the music bug or, is, or are you saying uh, or does he have it? Because it, it's a lineage of talent. So he, he has to have musical talent. But does would you encourage him to be in the business? Or oh, is
1: absolutely. It? I want him to go on the road with me and just, you know, do sound checks, check the drum, check, check, you know, I want him to really be schooled in it, because, and he does, he's 10, he'll be 10 in two weeks, and so he's got the ears for it, which is amazing, that's a gift, and he's, he's got great ears, and he's able to sit on the piano and pick out songs just by ear, you know, starting to do that, so I'm trying not to pressure him too much, I'm trying to just let him come to it on his own, and he is, slowly, but I definitely want him to be on the road, so he can feel
0: See that's great. That's cool though. That's that's like that's, You must be like the cool mom, you know. It's like at the school. I mean, the oh. I think it's like, hey, uh, like, like what are you doing for summer vacation? Uh, you know, watching TV. What you, oh, I'm going on the road with my mom. <laughs> I mean, that well, must like if that when that happens, you you probably be like the you'd be like the the goddesses of moms, like the cool mom.
1: Oh well, I don't know. I'm the strict mom, honestly. At our, I, I am. I don't let him. There's words kids say he can't right. say, or he gets the soap, <laughs> and you know, I mean, I'm serious. I'm pretty strict about that but he's you know we have a great relationship too
0: great well i want to thank you for coming on give all your information this is the part where you give all your website every any information you want to give give it
1: awesome all right so my website is uh www.dina.com facebook is the official dina carter facebook page twitter is dina tunes i think and uh or dina sings i can't remember dina tunes or dina sings try either one
0: do you tweet a lot
1: I do. I tw- and Instagram. I- I'm like the big Instagrammer, and then I double post it Facebook and Twitter together, do. which I love. So that's why I can't remember because I that's do everything so many through Instagram. But um, yeah, check us out, man. We're always doing stuff, and come down to Sunset Marquee, or you know, just look on Dina.com. It's got everything there that you need. Want
0: well, to thank you for coming on. It was a fun time. Thanks. That's good. Thank and uh, yeah, so people, please check it out. Dina D E A N A dot com. Also, uh, check me out at twitter at cooper talk i'm always writing some of my observations at cooper talk uh my website coopertalk.net i have i don't know about 290 episodes of past shows up there if you want to find me on stitcher or itunes just type in cooper talk one word um there if you have a google tablet android whatever that stuff is go to the google play store type in cooper talk and you get my app it's free all my shows are on there uh very soon you can probably this week you can be listening, start looking on iHeartRadio. Once again, search me, it's a great app and TuneIn radio. You can find me on there. So yeah, I'm Steve Cooper, I'm only as hip as my guests. Oh, send me an email, Cooper at Coopertalk.net. I'd love to hear from you guys. And remember, every Tuesday, crappy comedy at Jimmy's place, I host it. So come on out. It's a fun night. So that's about it. Remember check out Dina's website. And I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Remember, drink your water, eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend and be safe out there. It's time for me to get lunch.